0: Before we begin, let's mention our sponsor, Honor Athletics.
1: That's right, Sensei. Make them your go to source for all your karate deeds and more. Us, you can contact them at honor
0: athletics.com or give them a call at 770 945 5150. And please mention Wildcat Dojo for your 10% discount. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Oh, we did it backwards. Instead of saying Honor Athletics in the front, we said it thanks guys in the back. I loved it.
1: This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations.
0: Hi and welcome to another interview episode of Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Interviews have become one of my very favorite
1: types of shows, learning about people from everywhere. I agree with that, but I'm going to start by saying I'm still Sensei Michelle and I'm Sensei Jackie. And again, Landon
0: is off having his own adventure. We always miss you, Landon. But under the heading Great and Lucky News, it's time for me to say that our guest today is a man named Andy Gray. Hi, and thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh my God, I'm a little excited. I'm very excited. If you listen to any of our episodes, I probably say that every episode about the 12 line in, because <laughs> I'm always excited.
2: <laughs> I'm excited.
0: So we know that you have this really cool podcast called Hobby of a Lifestyle. And of course, guys, scroll down to the show notes because I'll have a link. Yes. Also, we've listened to quite a few episodes and they are very entertaining.
2: Good. I'm glad you enjoy them.
0: I wonder if it's a difficult or an easy preparation.
2: Do you know what it is? I, I genuinely don't overthink these things. I do very little research on the people that I speak to because I, I like to organically find out about people. I, I tend to approach people who I just think look like they've got a really cool story. And and just to find out about so many different hobbies. That I mean, Hobby of a Lifestyle came about because of of my sort of sport karate kickboxing background and the fact that I didn't pursue that as a, as a full-time career. And I really wanted to understand why people did pursue hobbies and passions and, and try to forge a career from them and, and how it end up leading to where they're at.
1: It's so interesting to, to, to find out about where people come from and how they've gotten there. And that takes me to wanting to know, where are you in the United Kingdom? <laughs>
2: I'm, <laughs> in the north, I'm in the Northeast of England. Now, every time we come over to America, a lot of people think that we're from Scotland. Right. Uh, <laughs> because we kind of, we're the, the last major city before before Scotland, so we're maybe an hour away from the Scottish border. So that that's probably why If you're sat there thinking, I think he's from Scotland. He's from Scotland. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> what do they call that section of, of Northern England? I, I'm from a place called Newcastle in Northeast England.
1: Oh, Newcastle. Newcastle, figures, which they say, you know, not taking the coals to Newcastle.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what I know about it from this day. <laughs> We've
0: talked and talked and talked about getting – an interface
2: right? Okay, where
0: I can take more noise out. Yeah. But at this point, we just kind of old school. You're probably more um, high tech.
2: I, I wish I was. I'm not. <laughs> Honestly, I have genuinely didn't overthink anything. I think I started my podcast on, if I convert into dollars, maybe it's an $18 microphone. And just, I'd read so much and people just over, I was thinking, oh my goodness, it can't really be this hard. And I just thought, <laughs> I'm not really bothered if it sounds great. I'm not bothered if it's, it was more about the content. So I just kind of went with it anyway, and I'm just learning as I go.
0: So I'm going to get us back on track here. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I know you're not a full-time podcaster. No, I'm not. So it's, it is one of your hobbies. So would you like to talk at all about your grown-up life?
2: Certainly. I mean, if you want to talk about my kind of sport, karate, my kickboxing, or we you want to talk about my job now?
0: Well, I don't know. Do you want to share your job now, and then we'll push over to kickboxing? Well,
2: certainly can do. I mean, my job for the last nine years, I've had a non-profit sport and fitness company in the northeast of england oh, so that's working so
1: interesting
2: working with schools and then the community to deliver sport fitness qualifications
1: do you go into the schools yes and teach the kids uh, after school or how does that work
2: a little bit of both so we do work kind of through the day we do sports festivals for the schools and we we, we deliver a, a kind of a, a range of different sports
0: wow that's so cool how how many people work in your non-profit
2: um, oh, there's only two of us at the moment. We're actually, we're kind of in the middle of this spanning unfortunately, um, oh. we're, we're going in a different direction. Just COVID made us reevaluate things and it was just a case of, well, I just had a hip replacement as well. So it was a kind of a case that of all the physical activity was just starting to get on, get on top a little bit. So we've run, the, we're moving in a different direction in the next couple of months. But yeah, we, you know, at, at, at one point we kind of had four, four paid members of staff and then. We had coaches that used to come in hourly paid as well to do stuff for us. So we've done lots. We've worked all over the UK with it and we've we've thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Very interesting. How long did that go on? Nine years?
2: Nine years. Yeah.
0: Wow. So I'm going to check
1: back in with you next year and see where you ended up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No problem.
1: Very exciting. Yes. Yes. So when you begin your podcasts, you always say that you're a former world champion kickboxer and that I'd like to hear about.
2: Okay. So I think in America it would probably be classed as sport karate, but in England there's very little difference between the two when you go to a, when you go to a club. Um, maybe it's the discipline side of it from whether it be full contact, whether it be K one rules, you know, points continue. So I was a former like continuous world champion. I okay. won um World Kickboxing Association and the World Kickboxing Council World Championship titles back in two thousand eight two
1: thousand and nine. Did you start as a child?
2: So I started when I was kind of five, six years age. I was um, I was watching The Karate Kid and I absolutely fell in love with it. You know, and when you look at it now, I mean, obviously with Cobra Kai being back in there now and the nostalgia value of it, it's amazing. But I suppose if you, you look at the martial arts in that film going back, it was maybe, it's kind Ooh. of probably wasn't the best one to choose out of all, the, all the, the martial arts films, but it was the one that I absolutely loved. My mom would make me Daniel LaRusso's bandana out of material, you know, she'd she'd have her felt tips out and she'd be coloring it in and making the spots and and coloring that in for me. And, so and you know cool. uh, every single week she'd have to make me a new one because I'd get one dirty or I would lose it. Or, um, and, and my parents were just an absolutely amazing support. So they kind of went out and did some research in the area to find out which club was going to be the best and which one had a nice feel to it. Um, and they, they did a lot of research and they found one that I, I went to eventually. And I never really looked back. I started training five, six years old. I, I absolutely, I, I kind of lived and breathed it. And I passed my black belt just before I turned nine years old. So I was, I think it was about a week or two before I turned nine and absolutely loved it. Uh, but it was, it was a funny association that it wasn't a massively competitive association. So growing up as a kid, you, you would go to your classes, you would do your gradings, you would do some, you do your classes and whatnot. But then I got to about 11 And you you couldn't grade again until you were an adult. You had to wait until you were 17 to do another Dan grading or even your first Dan again, which I I, I understand it. But at the same time, I think, you know, we live in the Western world and we want things that we can achieve. And there was kind of no aspirations there. As I said, we weren't a massive competitive, a massively competitive club. So I took a bit of a two year break and I started kind of doing other sports with my friends. I played football. I played rugby or, or soccer. Um, I actually did a bit of gymnastics. The school put me into gymnastics. And then when I got to about 13, 14, I got a letter saying, are you going to come back full time, train and get back up to the standard you're at? And I'd been kind of itching to get back to it. And and that was it. I was hooked from there. I I went back and it started becoming a little bit more of a competitive club. And Ah. I just wanted to go and compete. So from 13, I started training properly again and, and started competing.
0: Do you remember the name of the style?
2: Yeah, so when I very first started, the style was Jiu and then within about six to nine months after I started that one, it changed to an association called Northern Freestyle Karate Association. It's still going; it's still quite big in the in the northeast of England. You know, I've got got to kind of look, go back to the roots and say thanks to them really for kind of giving me the platform to build on as I as I grew up.
1: Do you think it kept you out of trouble, or it was your parents that kept you out of
2: trouble? Or uh, yeah, I wasn't a I wasn't a kid to get into trouble. Definitely <laughs> It was um I think I think certainly martial arts is something that teaches you discipline and uh you know, I-, I never wanted to be in the fight because of martial arts. It was I don't know if it's like that in, in America, but when over here as a kid you kind of get told that if you, you go out fighting, you lose your license and you don't come back training. Yeah, and I mean I'm sure it's kind of a bit of a ploy from the instructors to keep people on track yeah. and on the right path, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Which is great, but it really worked for me and, and as I said. I had fantastic parents. I, I wasn't one of those kids who wanted to go out fighting. And it just wasn't for me. Do you think you're going to let your daughters do this? Well, they, they're starting to get a little bit of an interest in it because because they don't see me or my wife do it anymore. They just hear stories. So they don't, they're don't. they not in and around it. Whereas some families are kind of, they're fully immersed in, in martial arts still. Whereas mm-hmm. we've always, well, I've always said, there's more to life than kicking and punching. So if I've wanted to go off and pursue something different, you know, I could always come back there and I've wanted to keep it a hobby because sometimes I think when you become too involved with it, you know, I could, I could never have a full-time kickboxing school or a, a karate school because it wouldn't be a hobby anymore. It would be a job. And I think sometimes when you start putting money to that, you lose the love for that. So for me, it's nice to be able to dip in and out of it.
0: It gets complicated. Yeah. I can attest to that. <laughs>
2: yeah. But I, I wanted imagine. to
0: ask you, in your kickboxing career, did you fight within a school, or did you? Were you like an independent?
2: No. So initially, when we started, I had a really supportive coach at the time where we were doing local competitions as Northern Freestyle Karate Association. And then, as I kind of got better with that, they, obviously I wasn't the only person in our association who, who had potential to be good. There was there was other people as well. I just kind of maybe set a bit of a precedence and said, okay, I'm because I'm, I was young, I, I was absolutely loving the sport. And I was doing really well at like regional level. And I was like, I, I need to go and do like a British championships. I need to go and do an English. And I'd actually seen a world championships. And there was a, I think there was, there was a world Championships being advertised for Hawaii at the time. And I was like, how how do I do that? Can I, is it one of those ones you can just enter? I don't know. I had no knowledge of it. And it was kind of just as emails were like quite accessible for young people, I suppose. Right. And I told my instructor at the time, and he said, well, okay, we'll go to the British championships. If that's how you have got to qualify for things like this. Mm-hmm. So he took us down on the bus and I remember I was probably 16 and I went to the first first British Championships as an adult and fought for adults. Um, and I was absolutely devastated because I'd got beat. I was, <laughs> I was de- not, not in a bad way devastated, but devastated that I hadn't become a British champion or hadn't meddled. I, right, I felt of like I just, it was, it was such a learning curve. So I, I literally went away and for a year I just trained, 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 trained worked on what I needed to work on. And I had just passed my driving test in the December and I went down to the British. I drove myself down with a friend to the British Championships in the March. And um, then 17-year-old, yeah, second time Vascan British champion. Was That's pretty week.
0: cool. Congratulations. Yeah, it was, thank you.
2: Yeah, it was, it was really good. Even if you won the British Championships, it didn't automatically qualify you for a, an international event. You still had to go and do training with Team GB. So I was going ah. down to London, I was going down to Birmingham, down the country. And like, either not, I know that England isn't a, isn't a big country compared to America and the, even just the state in America. But in the northeast of England, you're kind of the forgotten region. Uh-huh. And everything that you do is always down south. So you're always done as a minimum of a three-hour drive. So you're constantly doing like trains down to London, trains over to Birmingham, getting the car. But, but it was absolutely amazing. I remember getting a letter through the post and it was from Team GB saying, you've been selected to represent Great Britain at the European Championships. Oh. And I remember ringing my friends up going, which one of you sent this letter? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Who who's doing this? Someone's joking. Someone's trying to prank me. And uh, it turned out to be real.
0: That's so cool. Congratulations again. Like, oh, don't, congrats, don't
2: congratulate me on that. It was a rubbish European Championships. I was horrendous. <laughs> 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 it was just a learning curve.
0: But it's ancient history now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to push this forward into the podcast or else we're going to run out of time, okay? (laughs) Okay. Just to tell our audience, your interview is really about the hobbies and the careers of different people you interview. Isn't that correct?
2: That's right, yes.
0: Are the interviews like intermingled, like you start off talking about one thing and it ends up going another way? Or does it surprise you sometimes?
2: Oh, massively. I mean, there's kind of no massively set structure other than we follow a person's life. So it can really go off in any direction they want. Um, I, we start at the beginning where they grew up, what they were into as a hobby and then just how their, their trajectory has went and, and how they end up loving the sport that they do or the, or the performance, whatever their passion is. And, and you know, I, I remember speaking to one guy called Justin True. And I've been fortunate. He's he's from America and I've, I've met him over here in England just over the the winter period. And I remember thinking, I'll put an hour aside and we'll have an hour's podcast and we'll have a chat. And it was over three and a half hours. And, wow. And it went like that. I'm clicking my fingers for those who can't see. It was so <laughs> fast. Um, it was absolutely amazing. And it was just one of the just one of those stories that just blows your mind when you think, I'll be on for an hour, three and a half hours there. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing.
1: Well, are there any of the, the podcasts where you, you learned something that you never thought you were going to learn?
2: It sounds corny and cliche, but genuinely every single podcast.
0: Actually, it doesn't sound corny to us because the same thing happens to us, which is yeah. one of the things that keeps me coming back to this. Interviews are one of my favorite ways, but I also like the ones when we look into different styles of martial arts yeah. to find out how other people are doing the same thing that we do.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's very Definitely. interesting to do it that. It is. I, yeah, I agree.
0: So when you're interviewing people and it ends up being like three hours, do you have trouble with editing? Do you have a lot of editing things? How does that work for you?
2: Do you know what it is? Depending on the actual interview, I don't edit it. People will choose to listen to it. I like to keep it quite real. So there's uh-huh. obviously certain times, you know, I did an interview the other day where my daughter was in and just because I had no childcare, she'd woke up so she was crying. Obviously those ones, you edit little things out and we'll pull back and we'll, we'll do the little bit again. But in general, it, I tend to try and keep them just like this, as real as what they are. And it, I think it, Shows people that actually it's two real people just having a conversation about their life, about their hobby. And if it goes off on a tangent last three hours, then it must have been good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I look at it.
0: Very interesting. I'm a stickler about excess noise. So I do do edits.
2: Yeah. I, the odd time, I mean, I've, I've left someone getting an order of Amazon in before just because I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's awesome.
2: I, I think this day and age, I think certainly with the pandemic, people have realized that people are human and, and things are going on in people's lives. And sometimes, you know, you can't always control the uncontrollable. So just, just go with it.
1: That is true. Very true. I, I think that one of my favorite of your uh, interviews was the one with the, I think his name was Dia Noah, the man from Ventum Cycling.
2: Yes, that's right.
1: He was such a fascinating person to me. And a lot of people in my family cycle, not me, but they do. And so I, I have to, now I'm going to keep asking them, do you know who he is? Did you ever hear of him? <laughs> because if not, you got to listen to this interview.
2: You know what is? I totally agree. What a, just a genuinely nice person as well. And I've found that I've, I've been blown away by some of the people that have come on the podcast because you kind of look at, I suppose externally, you look at them as a person and maybe social media or or what they've achieved and you think, oh my goodness, that's way out of my league to be able to to approach those people. They've been absolutely fantastic just to say, of course, I'll give you some of my time. And and that's what they're doing. They're giving time at the end of the day. And I'm so grateful for it as well and really humbled by it.
0: That's really cool. Now, my favorite one that I listened to was The Dog Sled Lady.
2: Okay. Is that Jillian?
0: In Canada, yes. Yeah. She was so cool.
2: Yeah. She, she seemed cool. like
0: everything came together in such a particular way in her life, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. Just her journey from start to, to where it is now was just kind of one of inspiration, really. What she'd been through and what she's gone on to achieve and what she's doing now is absolutely fantastic.
1: How have you met these people? And and also some of the Paralympic people that you've met are just so inspiring.
2: Uh, genuinely, just the power of social media—that is, really, gen- yeah, genuinely the power of social media to get in touch with people, send them a message, and just try to be open and honest about what the podcast is, and, uh, and just saying, look, this is who I am, this is why I'm doing it, and it's—and that's very much all I've done and continue to do, really.
0: I've I've used that method once or twice, but I've I've gotten mixed reactions.
2: Do you know what is the way I look at it is the people that don't get back in touch with me aren't the right guests for my podcast.
0: Right, exactly. Or they say no, they say no. You move or on. if they
2: don't get back in touch, it's fine, you know, it's that everyone's got their own things going on. Life life's busy. You just gotta accept it, appreciate it, and think, okay, I'll I'll move on to the next person.
0: Okay, not to put down any of your guests, but have you ever had a favorite interview?
2: Um, if, um well, I've had some ones that really stand out. I couldn't pick one individual one. I mean, I've spoken about Justin there already. I, I, he's just an amazing, amazing person. Um Dudley Stokes, who was the founder of the Jamaican bobsleigh team. Obviously, mm-hmm. that is fantastic oh, yeah, that at the moment because, one. yeah, he was amazing. And he's, I've I've met him on a couple of occasions now, which is kind of mind blown. Yes. Yeah. You know, those ones really stick out to me. Audrey as well from France. She was part of the Cirque du Soleil, little mini series I did. But learning about her story, I, I, you know, I kind of wasn't expecting that. She was a two-time Olympian. Then went into Cirque wow. du Soleil. That one, that one was just a story that kind of just took me in a place I, I wasn't expecting. That was fantastic.
0: I don't think I heard that one, but I'm going to listen because Cirque du Soleil is is an interesting subject in and of itself, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I've got four, or five performers within the Cirque du Soleil world, and just great people. And you know, you watch some of the stuff that they do; it's mind blown.
1: I'm making a note. I've seen <laughs> Cirque du Soleil two or three times, and each time. You just can't believe what you're seeing.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I you know I feel like I shouldn't leave anybody out, but I suppose when I when I think about the, the real standouts, those and Kyla Marone as well from Alone the series. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh so yeah, she was up, just yeah, just a really nice person as well, and just after, obviously I haven't watched her on the television do so well on this series. But so then all of a sudden like being on the podcast and like wow. <laughs> but um but yeah the the olympians the paralympians yeah i've just been i am truly truly grateful yeah you've put me on the spot now
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm recording this in the middle of the winter olympics so olympics are on the brain but i want to say in the interviews that you've done with both the olympians and the para olympians are so inspiring
2: yeah i agree they, they are, are the just, amazing athletes
1: yeah amazing athletes thank you for saying that and i think that In the interviews, you are a positive person, and that's what brings out the positives in the other people.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: And I'm going to say to the audience, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. And check it out and, you know what, let Andy or us or both know what you think,
1: right? Yeah. And subscribe. Oh,
2: (laughs) both, please. (laughs) Definitely. That's funny.
1: Well, we're going to thank you
0: so much for doing this. This was just so great to do. Absolutely.
2: Thank you very much for letting me come on and be part of the podcast. It's absolutely fantastic.
0: And what we're going to do is we're going to check in. I made a note here to check in at the end of the year and see which way did your career go from this nonprofit that you're in now to what? I'm so excited to learn. Me too.
2: I'll I'll let you know how it's going. There is something in place, but but I'll tell you next year. Oh, well,
0: it'll be a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. On that note, Sensei Jackie. Let's call it a day. A day. <laughs> say goodbye, silly.
2: <laughs> I was Bye just about to say as well, A day. <laughs> that
0: was <laughs> thank funny, you right? so
2: much. Yeah, it was good.
0: <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you again, Mr. Gray.
2: Thank you very much.
0: And I'm Cynthia Michelle signing out. Want to
1: comment on something you heard? Be a guest or have an idea for an episode? Contact us all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. And email us at dojoconversations at AOL.com. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.